Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Bucks and Cups and From John to Justin. Both those podcasts are reaching the end of their run. So, I have two new podcasts coming. In May, I have... Canada's Great War, where I look at the First World War from beginning to end, from home to France to England and everywhere in between. I also have, coming in June, Coast to Coast, my look at the building of the Transcontinental Railway. Today, I'm speaking with Ryan Barnett. He's the man behind both a documentary film and a fantastic book about what a lot of people call the Atlantic Contiki. It's the true story of four men who crossed the Atlantic Ocean on a raft. And it's mostly forgotten today, and that's sad because it's an amazing story, and it was a great book. So let's get right to my interview with Ryan. I guess the, the first question is, what kind of got you alerted to the fact that, and you do relate that in the book, but how you yeah. found out about the raft? Um, yeah, well, I, I always had an interest in, in these kinds of stories. Like Growing up, my favorite movie of all time well, growing up, it was. I've been, become more sophisticated as time has gone on. But but growing up, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. So if you start there, um, and then you you know you go to uh, uh, watching Jacques Cousteau specials on TVO and that kind of thing. I've always been interested in this um, mm -hmm. kind of world, these kinds of um, expedition stories, that kind of thing. Um, and then in terms of Legare specifically, uh, I was doing my master's at Concordia. Um, and I was doing a lot of papers. I was writing a lot of papers on stories. I wrote, you know, I wrote about the Contiki. I wrote about Frank Cole's uh, film, uh, Life Without Death. I was doing a lot of stuff of travel logs and ethnographic um, filmmaking. Uh, and then just one day I was, I was driving in my car. I was, I was doing a run. I was working on a TV show during the summer to make a little bit of money. And, um, and I heard a CBC story about, uh, about um, Legate. And that's how I first heard the story myself. <laughs> um now it's not really known much in canadian history which is kind of it's kind of a tragic thing because it's a fascinating yeah. story why is it in the i guess in the shadow of of contiki i mean mo a lot of people know about contiki but so few canadians know about this yeah well i think i think one of the reasons is just the 
shadow of Contiki just looms so large. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, it's it's a similar story, although the details are very different. Um, but I think that story is just so famous that anything that comes after it is just in comparison. You know, uh, when when Legare was became famous in 1956 for the, the moment in which it was famous, it was actually dubbed the Atlantic Contiki. So even in the day, um, it was in its shadow. Um, I think on top of that, you also have um, subjects uh, at the center of it that don't really have a home. So um, Hani Baudou, the, the man who started the, the expedition, he was a French expat uh, who had uh, immigrated with his wife to uh, Montreal. So he didn't really belong to France anymore. And he was an immigrant in, in, in Canada. And, and he felt out of place even within Quebec society, even you know, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they had a common language, he didn't feel part of it. So I think you, know, you don't have France claiming the story, you don't have Canada claiming the story, and you don't have... Quebec claiming the story as their own. So there's really no, no one um, um, stewarding uh, the legend of Legare uh, in any sort of meaningful way. Um, so what made you decide to, to mix the book with, with the, the historical account, but then also kind of mixing in a, a, like a graphic novel aspect to it? Yeah, well, the, the book actually started for me as a documentary film. Um, so when I first approached uh, Audi in 2012, um, I approached him on the basis that I was going to make a documentary film about uh, not just the story of Legade, but at the time, Henry was also in the process of um, trying to get a museum to rebuild his raft and, and put it somewhere so that it, it had some sort of a permanent home. Um, so the, initially, the idea was to, to make a documentary that did the historical, but also did the contemporaneous uh, story of what Henry was doing now. Um, and then uh, just as I was finishing up the film, I think almost the same week that I was finishing up the film, um, I got a call from Firefly Books and the, um, the owner, the publisher of Firefly uh, had heard the story and wanted to turn it into a graphic novel. And through a series of phone calls, it was relayed back to me that I was the, or it's relayed back to me that I was the expert on the subject. You know, I just spent four years working on this, right? So there mm-hmm. was, there was this, there was Henry, who's the only living member of the crew left. And then there was me. Um, so Firefly engaged me to make a graphic novel, but uh, graphic novels are very expensive. Um so we started talking about alternative ways to, to tell the whole story. And I had this, this documentary film that, you know, it, in the end, it was only 17 minutes long because, excuse me, um, it was only 17 minutes long because the, I wasn't able to film the, the rebuilding of the raft. So really, it was a documentary that told the historical subject and the historical story only. Um, so I had all this other material, all these other interviews, all this... Uh, all this secondary source research, all these photographs that I wasn't able to incorporate in the documentary film. So I, I, I pitched to Steve Cameron, who was the editor at, uh, at Firefly at the time. I said, why don't we do a paper documentary mm-hmm. and, and you know, we'll mix in you know, prose writing, we'll mix in the actual news articles and any sort of primary documents we can have so that if you know, someone's really interested, they can read the the material from back in back in the, the time of the, the journey, um, we can incorporate all the photographs, but also what was most important to me is that we can incorporate 
these other points of view that that aren't reflected in the documentary and haven't been reflected in the telling of the story um, mm-hmm. up to this day. Um, one of the tragedies of this is the fact that, uh, you know, the boat, I think it was eventually turned into a fence and then yeah. was more or less lost, lost to time. Um, yeah. Do you think that if he... Obviously, when it happened in the 1950s, it's so close to Contiki. It's the Atlantic Contiki. If it had have happened, say, five years ago, would we have a different perspective on it? Would we maybe preserve that as a piece of history? Would it be more well known? Like, obviously, at the time, it was very well known. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and the reason being, uh, the Werner Herzog, the filmmaker, talks about how there's no more, no possibility for exploration on Earth anymore. Um, so people are, are becoming more and more niche in the way they, they carry out these endeavors so that, you know, there's people that are peddling rafts made of trash across the ocean and things like that. Right. So, um, you know, um, you know, it was covered in, in Russian papers and German papers and, and, um, you know, all, all languages really. Um, so it had its moment, but I think, I think it goes back to that issue of, it didn't belong to any, no, there was no like patrimonial pride in it because it didn't belong anywhere. So, you know, when, when they arrived in, in England, you know, as Henry tells it, the, the British made an offer to, to display it in, in London. Um, but then there was overtures from Quebec to bring it back uh, to Quebec and they would put it on display in a museum in Quebec. And then when they brought it over, there was no museum to, to house it so yeah mm-hmm. so as you said you know it spent it spent its lifetime essentially in a field where kids played on it for you know a decade before someone used the wood for <laughs> to make a fence to demarcate their property so, <laughs> yeah i think um, it goes back to that issue of, of it no one felt like it belonged to them so no mm-hmm. one took care of it um reading it uh one of the things i liked the most was was the cats although yeah. Every time I was reading, I was worried that the cats were going to be swept overboard at some point in some great storm. But um, what was it like to research this and, and discover this story that so many people don't know about today? What was it like to research it? Um, or just to, to learn more about it and, and discover this uh, this really cool tale of, of you know, seafaring? Yeah. Well, I mean, initially my intro to it, like I said, was that, that mm-hmm. news story. Uh, and then I found one uh, Global, Mar- Global Mail article by the same journalist, Mary Wadden, uh, who was working for the CBC at the time. Um, but it, uh, diving into it became really interesting because, you know, my initial, after those two news stories, my, I then called Henry and spoke to Henry. And then he was my conduit of, you know, what the story was of Legare. But then as you start to get the dates and you start to get the names, um, mm-hmm. you start to look at the foot, at the um, coverage at the time. And then you see that how that compares to Henry's version of it 60 years later. Um, you know, and there's, there's parts of the journey that he leaves out entirely. There's, there's, there's people in the journey that he'd rather, yeah, maybe this is not generous to say, but there's people in the journey that he's not as fond to talk about as others um for instance uh, jose martinez the who was the cook of the of the legade too um you know he was rescued off the ship 20 i believe 20 days into the into the journey mm-hmm. and you know henry still to this day i feel like he he feel like he's still offended that jose left or he's still it's there's still some sort of a hard feeling there um mm-hmm. despite at the time 
uh, you know, Jose was very sick at the time. He needed to get off the raft. Um, but, you know, I think that's the, that's been the, um, the really rewarding thing is that, um, you know, I know Henry's version of it, but now I also know people like uh, Rosemary Como or Rosemary Mar, as she's with her married name. She was the secretary for the, for the team when they were in Halifax. She did all the translation for them, helped them source material, all that. Her story hasn't really been told anywhere. It's been kept with her and she's told it to her, her kids and her friends and mm-hmm. that, but, but it's never been part of the published record. It's never, it's never really been anywhere. So that's, that's been one of the most rewarding things is being able to kind of insert these other points of view in there um, to fill out Henry's, Henry's story. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's Henry like? I mean, obviously, he did this jo- uh, journey across the ocean. Yeah. He was involved with, I believe, it was the French Resistance, yep. and then he did a whole bunch of other sailing expeditions. Like he's lived more in his life than like you and I probably combined could. So, oh, what, what is you he? You don't know my life story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know mine. So, <laughs> um, what's he? What was he? Let's. What's he like? Obviously, you know, he's he's into his uh, old age now. But uh, yeah, what he's was still it like meeting him. Uh, intimidating, um, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. Um, I've known Henry now for nine years, um, and I don't think I can go two weeks without him calling me. Um, <laughs> like that's about the longest time between phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, he's un- he's unstoppable. He he um, and he's he's very good at like pulling people into his cause. So, so after knowing him for this long and knowing how like he makes contact there and he makes a contact there and, you know, oh, this guy, you know, this guy can provide us with this or this person wants to do a story there or, you know, you see how kind of people gravitate towards him and how he's able to, um, in, not in a pejorative sense, but leverage that for, for his own agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, you understand how he did this all not just once, but twice. Cause you know, there was, there, because there's a leg day two, there is a leg day one, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which you know, is a whole other story. Um, so there's, there's that aspect of him. So the really, um, the, the guy that makes you want to come on board and, and, you know, become part of his project. Um, and he's just, you know, he's 90 what was, he would be 98, I think, mm-hmm. um, 90, somewhere around there. And, um, he's still like full of energy. I don't see him as often as I used to now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been able to, uh, to spend time with them. Usually I see him at a door. If I have to, like we, we have the French version of the book coming out uh, next, next week. Um, and, you know, we had to proof the French version and all that. So he and I had some interactions through a doorways as I gave him proofs and he gave me his corrections <laughs> and all that stuff. But but yeah, he's still at, you know, at 98 years old, he's still unstoppable. He's still, he's still has, he's still planning, still tr- trying to figure it out. He was just, he just asked me because he has the 16 millimeter film footage of the trip. And he was asking me to find him a place that could digitize it for him. Mm-hmm. And just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> um, looking at the story, like I, I, one aspect I like is that you had these, these uh, people from France they immigrate to Canada, they find a new home in Canada, and then, you know, they embark on this great journey. And like you said, it's kind of hard, like no country could really claim it because it was French Frenchmen living in Canada, sailing to England. But do you think now we should be as Canadians kind of claiming this as like this, this great accomplishment that, that essentially Canadians uh, 
you know, I did accomplish and maybe rediscover it more through things like your book and, and the documentary? Well, yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, certainly it's never been a, a barrier of acceptance for me, whether they were from France initially or whether they, you know, or French speaking or, or whatever. That's never been a, an issue for me in taking up the story. But I will say, um, in all honesty, I think if you were to ask Henry this question, he still feels that resistance, you know, when, in, in looking at, places that might be able to um, recreate the raft and, and, you know, and put it in their institution, there was a lot of no's. He eventually got a yes, but there were a lot of no's, mm-hmm. um, you know, for one reason or, or another. And even when he was able to do it, it, you know, it wasn't a permanent exhibition. It was a, uh, it was a temporary two-year exhibition that was then meant to travel. And I don't, I don't honestly know how much traveling it's done, but I don't think it's done a ton. <laughs> Looking through the book and reading through the book, uh, there's a lot of great stories. Um, I especially liked whenever they'd come across a ship and they'd have to more or less explain to the captain of the ship that we don't need to be rescued. We're, you know, this is something we're trying to do. And um, the the story of the shark that they caught that they really couldn't eat because it tasted terrible. Yeah. But was there any stories that really stuck out for you that, that you really liked from the journey? Um, you know, I, in preparation for this, I reread the book, um, which I hadn't done in English probably since it was published. Um, and what stuck out to me is um, when they were fantasizing about where they might end up. You know, it's an anecdote taken out of the, the um, autobiography that, that, Mark, um, that Mark wrote uh, years later. And they talk about where they want to land. And they're they were imagining maybe that they might land in Ireland. And they're like, oh, Ireland, it'll be great. You know, we'll be fed it. We'll be given cream. And, and um, you know, it's all green there. And and Mark has a line, I, I, I'm going to have to paraphrase it. Mark has a line about how the women's skin ha- is dotted with sunshine and how he'd like to, how he'd like to get a nice tan under that sunshine or something like that, which I thought it was just like, this such a funny thing for like a 29 year old <laughs> guy to say after <laughs> being on a ship for 40 days with, <laughs> with two guys. <laughs> Understandable. Um, um, so the, there's two ships and then obviously the first one, they hit a lot of trouble. They start, you know, they're sailing up the St. Lawrence, which they decide next time we're not going to do leave from Halifax. Um, do you think that we would have had the second boat without somebody like, like Henry, who is so committed to what he's this vision that he has of sailing across the Atlantic? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think, um, as Henry well, I mean, for example, Henry, there was four four raftsmen on that on that first raft, and two of them didn't de- decided not to take part in the second one. So mm-hmm. right there, you have fifty percent of your crew gone. <laughs> um, but Henry also uh, tells it as as the minute he was he was watching his ship essentially sink or break apart uh, in the in the choppy waters. Um, it was there that he decided that he has to do it again, because I think just because he took so much crap from people in the first place to put the, put the, uh, the expedition together that he just didn't want all those people to be right. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, we, we, you talk about the first expedition, the first expedition, they were, they were 60 some odd days out and they hadn't even really gotten past Newfoundland. Um, so, so, <laughs> and it was planned to be a hundred day journey. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like they were almost blessed that they wrecked um, mm-hmm. because it's certain that, that that journey wouldn't have made it across the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. 
they they just would not have made it um because it would have been yeah what would it have been it would have been a 140 day journey like that's just yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> i also got to say that uh henry has a very understanding uh wife who you know i can't believe it yeah like to, to be able to do this tw- not once but twice at like you know yeah. that's that's amazing to me <laughs> no i i really i can't believe it. and that that Janine's such a lovely woman. She's so um, like to this day, she, she still gets um, birthday and Easter presents for my daughter. And, and (laughs) she's just, she's so lovely. Um, And I just don't know why she let him, if you, if you ask her, she just says, well, like how, what am I going to stop him? Like, that's basically what she says. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. And, and, you know, when I was initially making the documentary and we were talking about rebuilding the raft and, and all that, people kept asking me, are you going to sail the raft after that? And I was like, no. And, <laughs> and that was what, that was before I was married with a child. Now I'm married with a child. I'm like, no, no, hell no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> but it also shows you the state of mind that Henry was in that, that, you know, this expedition became so necessary to him that he was, he was willing to he's either willing to risk that or he believed in himself so much that, mm-hmm. that uh, failure was just not a consideration for him. Absolutely. And then uh, just the last question is where can people find the book, uh, find you, learn more about it. If they have questions, anything like that. <laughs> um, you can, uh, where can you buy it? You can buy it anywhere you, where you find books. Um, so the English, the English edition has been out since uh, October, 2017. It's available through Firefly books. Uh, you can get on Amazon or however you order your books. Um, and the French version, which is being published by Edition Glena is, um, it's going to be out, uh, on April 7th. And again, you can buy it anywhere that you can, you can buy books. Um, and if you want to know more about me, um, I have a production company called Knockabout Media based here in Montreal, and you can just go to knockaboutmedia.com. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website. We will find hundreds of articles on Canada's history, as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget, you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month, just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Lorianne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks. We'll see you again next time.